listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Network. Coming to you live just moments after the transfer deadline has passed. The window has slammed shut and as far as we are aware, Arsenal have had a crap window. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, Arsenal have failed to bring in anybody of note. Uh, at the end of the window. And I think there was a lot of us that probably went in today quietly optimistic that at least something was going to get done to try and give us a little bit of a boost and secure us a little bit in a couple of positions. I thought that was um, that was a given. I really did. I, I really did wake up this morning expecting to be reporting on an incoming um, that would go into the first team squad. Now, that's not to say that we should completely overlook the signing of Austin Trusty from the Colorado Rapids, but obviously that is hugely underwhelming when you consider what Arsenal have been reported to have wanted to do throughout the course of this month. When you consider that Arsenal are desperately short, particularly up front, you can't help but feel underwhelmed with the way that this window's ended. I expected Arsenal to give it a push. I really, really did. And if you look at what Arsenal have done on transfer deadline days recently, you'd have probably taken a bit of hope from that, a bit of optimism from that. But unfortunately, uh, that's not to be the case. And look, everybody seems to think that I'm this kind of, you know, all I do is is back the club and support the club and, and I never criticise them. I'm feeling really disappointed tonight, just like everybody else. I'm feeling really, really frustrated. And I want to kind of get those feelings across, but I also want to talk about where this leaves us moving forward. Because I think that's really, really important. I think, and we touched on this earlier on when we were on the 90 min stream, that there's almost this urgency to kind of win a transfer window in the modern game. And it's weird to me. You know, the fact that you have to go out and buy players in a lot of clubs' cases. Let's take Newcastle, for example. Let's take Everton, for example. The reason those clubs are having to go out and, and spend big and buy players and why everybody's talking about them today is not because they've won the transfer window. It's because they're in a dire state and they desperately need to do business in the middle of the season to pick themselves up. No manager, I don't think anyway, plans to go massive in January. January is one of those windows where if something comes up, you take it. If you're in desperate need, you move. And and I'm and I've always said this about the January window. This is not me uh, kind of driving this narrative just because Arsenal haven't done anything significant. Just because um, I am feeling underwhelmed by the lack of business or inactivity, whatever you want to call it. I, I've always said that the January window is exactly that. But I think what's frustrating this time around as Arsenal fans is that we can see some clear gaps and holes in this squad. And we know that there's been improvement. Even the most ardent Mikel Arteta out kind of person will tell you that would, would have to admit if they search deep down and say that there's been some progress. The fact that we're going into February in the hunt for a top four place is progress in itself. And a lot of us felt that with a signing or two, Arsenal could 
push on to that next level and that Arsenal could move forward in the right way and that Arsenal could give themselves that little bit of a boost that's so desperately needed to almost consolidate our place in the top six and give us a bit of a boost towards that top four run. But, you know, that's that's obviously not happened. And, and there's there's one side of me, as I keep saying, that's really frustrated, that's really disappointed with the lack of significant activity with regards to players coming in. But there's another part of me that doesn't want to see Arsenal panic by. There's another part of me that doesn't want to see Arsenal go out and invest huge sums of money on players that they're not sure about. I said at the start of the window that Arsenal had almost earned the right to be trusted going into this window because of how good the business that they did in the summer turned out to be. I mean, if you think about the players that Edu and Mikel Arteta brought in, Aaron Ramsdale, I think he's been brilliant. Ben White's been good. Tommy Asu's been fantastic. You move into the midfield. Uh, Martin Odegaard has been brilliant, I think, overall. Uh, Lekonga's looked promising. You know, you look at the signings that we made and you think, yeah, um, you know, they've earned the right to be trusted. They've earned the right to be given a little bit of leeway in this window. But then you start seeing players depart. And of course, that, as I keep saying, is something that needed to happen. And what I want people to just kind of think about before going into complete and full meltdown mode is that not Callum Chambers, not Serkalasinac, not Pablo Marie, not any of those guys, not, you know, not any of those guys were going to take Arsenal to the next level. The only thing that we've left ourselves um, exposed to is the risk of injuries and COVID cases. And if we get a bout of COVID cases, if we get... Uh, a number of injuries at once, then we are in a really difficult position. And we're going to do a special show um, over the over the next couple of days uh, where we're going to be looking at the squad, breaking it all down, looking at what we're left over with and trying to assess how much of an opportunity or how much of a chance, I guess, Arsenal have of making the top four and making the top six and try to come to some sort of judgment there. So that is an up and coming show. And while I remember to plug it, because I forgot to do this earlier on today. Adrian Clark will be joining me right here on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel at midday, well, 12.30 on Tuesday. So that's tomorrow if you're watching us live. That's today if you're listening via the audio platforms. Adrian Clark will be right here with me and we'll be getting Adrian Clark's thoughts on the transfer window, where we've left ourselves short, where we've done well. Because I think there is one thing that we've done well in this transfer window and we'll come on to talk about that in a minute. But I just I just think there's a lot of raw emotion around at the moment. I've literally um, logged on about 20 minutes ago. Uh, I've caught some streams from uh, various other com uh, content creators. And I can tell that there's a lot of people that are pissed off and there's a lot of people that are angry. Myself included. Look, I'm not giving Arsenal a free pass. I feel like the failure to do significant business in terms of bringing players in during this window could come back and bite us on the arse and could be the difference between us finishing in the position that we want and not finishing in that position. But what I would say is curb those reactions just slightly because it might not, it might not cost us. You know, if we can keep everybody fit, if we manage to uh, be relatively fortunate in terms of that sense with injuries and COVID cases and all of that, 
and we're playing one game a week in most weeks, there's a chance that we get through this and there's a chance that we still achieve our season objective, season goal, which I believe at the start of the campaign would have been for Arsenal to finish in the top six. Now, for some, and I've heard a lot of people say um, that that, that anything less than the top four is unacceptable. I think that's harsh. And I think that would have been harsh, even if we brought somebody in. So I I don't want to be a hypocrite and go off on one. Um, But let's let's see what happens. That's all I'm saying. Um, Would I have left us this exposed if I were in charge? No. Would I have allowed all of those? No, probably not. I wouldn't have. Um, I would have kept back probably one of them. I think I would have kept back Callum Chambers of the players that we allowed to leave just because I don't really trust Cedric at right back. I would have let Maitland-Niles go if that agreement, as we were led to believe, was in place. Um, I would have certainly left, let's say, Kalasinac go and Pablo Marie. I maybe wouldn't have just because we're short on numbers, but if I'd kept Callum Chambers, who can play at centre-back as well, then maybe I'd have been more open to that. So with the outgoings, I'm not actually upset about the outgoings. I'm not upset about that at all. And we're going to come on to talk about the major outgoing, which I purposely didn't mention there in a minute. But I'm not upset about the outgoings. I'm upset about the lack of incomings. And that's the thing. You have to be able to, I think, pinpoint what it is exactly that you think the club have done wrong rather than just say, oh, the window's shit. I think that in terms of outgoings, the window's been quite positive. And we'll come on to talk about the Aubameyang thing in, in just a moment. Let me just say a big hello uh, to Matt Hayhow. Thank you uh, so, so much. First of all, Matt, for tuning in and thank you for your very, very kind donation, man. It, it means the world to me. Uh, really, really do appreciate it. Um, let, let's talk Aubameyang then, because as far as we know, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is joining Barcelona, not just on a loan deal. And I must admit, we thought it was going to be solely a loan deal. We thought all day that that was uh, a possibility. It looked as if it was off uh, at one stage. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang made the trip out to Barcelona. It was said that he'd gone for a family trip. I don't buy that for a second. Barcelona were very quick to distance themselves from Aubameyang when he first arrived uh, in Catalonia. They, they they made it clear that there was no official meetings in place. Uh, Arsenal expressed their surprise, I think was the term used, at the fact that Aubameyang had gone out there and then it seemed as though the deal was off. It seemed as though Barcelona wouldn't facilitate his wages. Fabrizio Romano told us that Arsenal had decided that they weren't going to subsidise any of it, uh, making it almost impossible for him to join Barcelona. And then all of a sudden it was back on again. And there's been uh, word coming out of Barcelona this evening that they'll be able to register a Bamiang regardless of what happens with Ousmane Dembele, because there was talk that that deal or his future would have a direct impact on whether they could sign a Bamiyang. But it looks now as though that one is edging closer to completion. And what surprised me about this is not that he's going, not that he's joining Barcelona um, for the rest of the season, but that this is a, a permanent deal. And people are going to crucify me for this, but I think this is good business. You are essentially moving someone out who was on 350k a week and had 18 months to run on his contract, you have saved yourself a shit ton of money. Now that money needs to be invested back in the team. For us to see the benefit of it as supporters, it needs to be invested back in the team. But unfortunately with this happening, and it's not even confirmed yet, it's quarter past 11 on deadline day, it's it's clearly too late. 
um, for this window, but it, it clears the decks for when we come to the summer. And we know that we need to go out and spend big on a striker. And just think, freeing up 350k a week. You could imagine the type of striker you could go out and get with that. So I'm not against moving a Bamiyang on. I think given the situation, given the circumstances, given the fact that he wasn't going to play for us again, this was the right move. The failure here has been the failure to bring somebody in to help us out in that striking position. And look, if Alexander Lacazette uh, stays fit, if Alexander Lacazette is able to, um, you know, keep his performance levels where we know they can be, and we don't have to turn to Eddie Nketiah, or we just use Eddie Nketiah in the last 15, 20 minutes of games from time to time, if we push Martinelli up there from time to time when we need to, then you'll look back on this in the summer and say, it was a masterstroke if we achieve what we need to achieve. So the point I'm making is let's see how this goes before we cast our judgments. We're not the managers of the football club. We have the benefit of hindsight when judging decisions. And I hope that this one proves to be the right one. What I can certainly acknowledge and certainly understand is why people feel like this is a huge gamble. It does feel like a huge bloody gamble. But at the end of the day, it was clear from a while back that Aubameyang was, uh, you know, was headed for the exit. And one of the big concerns and issues that a lot of us had was when all this happened was, well, what are we going to do with him? Because no one's going to buy him. Nobody's going to take on that kind of salary. From what we hear, it looks like Aubameyang might have kind of waived or, or agreed to take much less in order to get out of Arsenal Football Club. And if that's the case, then fair play to him. But one of my big worries and big concerns were ever since that Aubameyang news broke that he'd been stripped of the captaincy and had been cast aside, he wasn't going on the Dubai training camp, he hasn't been in any recent squads, was, well, who's going to take him? We're going to be stuck with this guy for the next 18 months or so. So the fact for me that Arsenal have managed to do a deal that sees him go and cuts us loose and free of that huge financial burden for a player who had cl has clearly crossed the line has upset the club, has upset the manager, I think is actually is actually decent business. You know, people will talk about how bad we are at selling and a lot of people I've heard have been bringing that up on streams tonight um, just from scrolling through. And, and I get that. You know, we have been bad at selling over the years. I think that's been a, a fundamental issue at this football club. But you're only bad at selling if you're bad at recruiting because if you buy shit, then you can't sell it. And it's as simple as that. And for me, we've bought shit and then we've struggled to sell it. And then we've scratched our heads and gone, why on earth can't we move this player on? Why on earth can't we move that player on? Well, because nobody wants them. Supply and demand. There's lots of supply of bang average footballers. There's not much demand for them, though. And that's that's been Arsenal's problem for a long, long time. So I'm actually quite pleased with that particular deal. I'm actually quite pleased with the terms of it. Obviously, it's not at the time of recording, 100% confirmed yet. But I'm actually pleased with the fact that we seemingly uh, have managed to move Aubameyang on, get that hefty wage off of our bills um, and, and dealt with that problem ahead of the summer. My only regret is that we didn't do it earlier in the window. Uh, the circumstances clearly didn't allow for it to be done earlier in the window. And now we have no time to bring someone in or allocate that money elsewhere to help us in the interim. So that's my 
disappointment and frustration with it. Uh, big hello to Venga's house. Uh, thank you so much, mate, uh, for your very, very kind super chat donation. It is so, so appreciated. He says, I wouldn't be too upset. We've worked miracles with regards to our wage bill. We'll still have made progress as long as we finish in the top six. I agree with that. And we'd be setting the base, i.e. having moved out the last of the dead wood uh, ahead of the summer. And then we can just focus solely on recruiting and recruiting the right players. Uh, there's one more super chat. Let me just take that super chat and then I'll scroll through uh, some of your questions. A big thank you to Ahmed Adam, who says, uh, Harry, thanks for being a sensible Arsenal fan. Thank you so much, mate. Uh, really, really do appreciate that. And uh, thank you for your support. Right. Uh, let's see what we have got. G Will says, uh, Harry, I rate you, but I can't listen to this right now. Let's see how what goes. We've signed no one. This is a failure. It's a clear our squad ain't good enough and we added no one. OK, let me flip this the other way. Let me ask you this question. And let me just make this clear as well. I'm not happy that Arsenal didn't bring anybody in. I wanted Arsenal to bring somebody in. I woke up optimistic this morning that Arsenal were going to bring someone in. So when I'm giving my point of view and my opinion and my view on this, I'm not sitting here defending the club. I'm, I'm genuinely telling it as I see it. And you say that our squad ain't good enough. Is our squad good enough with Chambers, Kolasinac, Maitland-Niles, a frozen out Aubameyang and Pablo Marini? The answer is no. Yet had we not moved so many of these players on, this whole narrative around how detrimental and how uh, big of a deal it is that we didn't bring players in wouldn't be half as strong. And I can guarantee you that. You know, I've got friends that don't support Arsenal, don't really know a great deal about what goes on with Arsenal, texting me going, what's going on with Arsenal today? There's a mass exodus. Why are Arsenal moving everybody on? Because that's the narrative that's being driven at the moment. Why is all the focus on all the players we've let go? You know, and, and th that focus on the players we've let go over the last few weeks, which was put into the spotlight, by the way, by the media who wanted to have a go at us because we got the game with Spurs postponed. That's where this all stemmed from. We get a game postponed with Spurs. Then the narrative begins, oh, look at Arsenal. They're a disgrace. They're letting players go and they're cancelling football matches. And from being attacked by the media as a football club, some of our own fans have bought into that and have then started attacking the club off the back of that for letting players go. Players that we've all been sitting here for years saying they're not good enough. Why is it an issue that they've gone now? It isn't. The issue is that we haven't brought anybody in. I agree with that and I get that. But that issue has been elevated or had a spotlight shone on it because of the fact we've moved players on. What I'm saying is if you put your hand on your heart, would you be as upset that we didn't bring anybody in given where we are in the league right now and given that in, by a lot of people's estimations, we've exceeded expectations up until this point? Would you be this outraged? And I'm not talking about you, G, uh, not you specifically. It's a general comment. Would you be as outraged with the fact that we've not signed people? I'm not sure. I do think that that's got a big part to play in it. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Um, uh, Jordan Brock says, but we've already put ourselves in a position where failure is a very big option. Again, to me, it seems a lot of people are accepting mediocrity. I, I think one of the issues that we had was that it was a squad full of mediocrity. It was an overloaded squad. 
it was well previously and we've been trimming it down and trimming it down and trimming it down because we need to get to the point where we have a smaller squad but a more capable squad you need to build the core and the main group first and then you add depth to it and you pad it out but we had so many players on the books that we couldn't get rid of and it, it's been that that way for a while so when those opportunities come to get rid of those players you have to get rid of them I, I, I truly do believe that again my regret is that we haven't brought anyone in but it wasn't to be um you know West Ham United and Man United uh, haven't done anything significant. So, you know, I've seen West Ham fans kicking off this evening about the fact that they've not bought in a striker. It's It goes to show that this is a, it's not that easy of a window to navigate. You look at Newcastle United, right? They've had to move for players and in a lot of cases overpay for players because they're desperate. But how can you say that Arsenal, in their current state, you know, with a, a young, talented group of players, okay, we're a little bit light in certain positions with regards to cover, but we are just two points off of the top four with a game in hand over Manchester United, with two games in hand over West Ham United. How can you say we're in a desperate situation? We're not. We're not desperate at all. And, and this is... People will be frustrated by it. People won't want to hear this. But one of the big factors, one of the big key uh, learns that Arsenal have taken, I believe, from recent years is not to overspend, not to panic buy, not to pay big money for players that simply can't cut it and then be stuck with them and then be seeking an exit strategy for them 12, 18, 24 months down the line. So, you know, we, we go back to the Alexander Isak situation, which we talked about on our last stream, we said that Alexander Isak is a very talented player. We said that Alexander Isak is somebody that a lot of us would love to see come to the club. But I think the majority of us could agree on the fact that Alexander Isak isn't worth 90 million euros. Why should the club pay 90 million euros on a, for a player they don't believe is worth it? That would be irresponsible. That would be doing exactly what Raul Sanlei got investigated for doing with Nicolas Pepe. Let's not forget that KSE sent somebody in to investigate a load of transfers. And one of those transfers was the Nicolas Pepe transfer. And that led partly to Raul Sanlei being moved out of the door. It was that and a selection of other transfers that we'd seriously overpaid for. And the club found that to be a grave error. You have to remember who runs and owns this football club. And if you thought going into January that Arsenal were going to exceed budgets and go absolutely crazy, then I'm sorry, that was delusion. Like we thought at one point they were going to spend around about 58 million quid on Dusan Vlavic. And, and I think in their eyes, that was a worthwhile investment. So it's clear that when they feel the investment is worthwhile, they'll do it. They did it with Ben White. They did it with Aaron Ramsdale. They did it with a number of players. But if they don't, then they won't. And I kind of get that. It's obviously disappointing. It's obviously frustrating. But at the end of the day, if we had signed Alexander Isak for 90 million euros, the the people that just look for any reason to be outraged, and there's a lot of them within this fan base, would simply 
be saying, oh, look, we got ripped off. It's another Nicolas Pepe situation all over again. We paid over the top for him. Crazy money. Let's see uh, what else we've got in the chat. Um, Stand the man. How you doing, mate? He says, I'm disappointed, Harry. Me too. As I fear, we won't have enough, though, to get back into Europe. However, I'm also glad we didn't waste money on a Band-Aid that we can't move on in a year's time. That's exactly it, mate. I think you've you've summarised that brilliantly. It's it's bittersweet. You know, on the one hand, you're like, well, I'm kind of glad that we didn't go and uh, blow a load of cash on somebody who, who isn't fit for purpose. But also there's a worry there and there's a concern there. But that, that's what the way you've described that, Stan, is perfect because it's a fear. OK, it's a fear that we won't have enough to get into Europe. It's not a guarantee. And the way some people are acting this evening is as though Arsenal have missed out on a European place. It's almost as though people have totally lost track of the fact that we're in January and we're moving into February and we're still in with a very, very good chance of getting back into Europe. My point being, if we fail, let's discuss that failure. And if people want to have a meltdown about it, let's have that meltdown. But this is a fear at the moment. It's not a fact. And so why are we going so big on a fear as opposed to a fact? It's a concern and it's a a genuine concern and one that we have every right to have as fans, as supporters of this club. But let's see how it goes. Let's keep uh, moving uh, through the chat box. Uh, Another kind Super Chat donation. Thank you. So, so much, man. (laughs) Tom says, uh, I figure someone needs to spend some money. So here I am. Thank you for your donation, mate. Really, really appreciate it. He says, if we finish top four with this paper thin club, uh, with this paper thin squad, um, extend Arteta immediately after the season. Yeah. And look, there was a lot, wasn't there? There was that story that came out the other day about Arteta uh, and his new contract and everybody went apeshit about that. He even myself, like as, as somebody who's been quite supportive of him, I said that I thought that was premature and I thought Arsenal would be jumping the gun a little bit too early if they were to give him a new contract. Now, I don't expect Arsenal to announce a, a, an Arteta contract extension until the end of the season. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's see. Let's see what happens with that. Uh, and thank you for your donation again, mate. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, let's see what else we've got in the chat box. Lots of super chats coming through. Going to do, uh, going to make sure I pick out all of those and I'll pick up some more uh, of your comments and questions too. We've got a good half an hour or so to chat, so don't worry. Uh, Samus says, really not happy. We never pushed to try and improve to help us really challenge for the top four. It maybe just wasn't possible this month. How do you think all our departures will affect how we spend this summer? I don't look, I think with the departures, I think obviously the significant one is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, right? Kolasinac's contract was coming to an end, as was that of Callum Chambers. Ainsley Maitland-Niles wasn't exactly on mega money. He's gone out on loan, but you'd imagine that will turn out to be a permanent deal. And I probably think the same will happen with Pablo Marie. You've got William Saliba to come back and feels he fills that void straight away. So I think that in terms of, what we can spend on transfer fees. I think there would have been money allocated to the summer already. I think that, as I've said to you guys on multiple occasions throughout this month, I think that Arsenal planned to go big again in the summer, planned to spend uh, significantly in the summer and due to circumstances have had to accelerate a lot of those plans or, or consider accelerating a lot of those plans. They've tried 
for Dusan Vlavic. They've tried for Alexander Isak and they weren't able to do any of those deals in time. Is there an argument that Arsenal should have been more proactive in having a plan B when the Dusan Vlavic thing fell apart? Yeah. Is there an argument that we probably could have told or seen that Vlavic was going to fall through uh, a while back and we should have been working on Alexander Isak earlier? Maybe. Um, the more time we had, maybe we'd have been able to negotiate a slightly lower fee with Sociedad. Maybe they wouldn't have got so defensive given that we were trying to poach one of their star men uh, right on deadline day. You don't know that, you know, and we don't really know when the first contact was made. I, I was told it was over the weekend, um, but, you know, you're only as good as the information that you get. But what I like about the fact that we've moved on, Aubameyang in particular, is that, look, he was not going to play for us again. So why pay his wages and why subsidize a shit ton of his wages for him to go and score goals for Barcelona? I never really understood that notion. And there is obviously a difficult relationship right now between the club and Aubameyang and Arteta and Aubameyang. So I think this was the right thing. And and now you go into the summer not having to worry about selling Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, only having to worry about bringing in somebody new. So that's one part of the process, if you like, next summer that you don't have to worry about. Uh, Mate Guna says, uh, will we get Isak cheaper in the summer? How and why? Uh, there's no guarantee. Obviously, that minimum fee release clause is there. And that's what Real Sociedad used to protect themselves. But the fact that you've got the whole summer means you can negotiate over a longer period of time you're more likely to make a breakthrough. But it also means that Real Sociedad have time to look, identify, um, and then act on bringing in a replacement. And that's the thing. The January window's short. It's a month. And if you leave deals till the last week, then you're essentially saying to those teams or teams that are selling essentially say to you, well, we need to be overcompensated for this player because of the fact that we're going to now struggle to bring someone in. It's why that release clause is in place. Like, I don't even think Real Sociedad believe that Alexander Isak is worth 90 million euros. But the inconvenience of having to go and find someone at the last minute and the problems that it leaves them with if they're unable to do that for the remainder of the season are what makes them want to mark something up. And, and that's the problem. So I do think in the summer you stand, obviously there's no guarantee, but I think you stand a better chance of um, of of getting one of those deals done. Uh, just quickly, because there's a couple of comments asking about Austin Trusty, uh, who Arsenal have signed from the Colorado Rapids. Um, so it's been announced by Arsenal Football Club. It's on the club's website. Austin Trusty is joined from the Colorado Rapids. He will stay there on loan. He's an under-21 USA international central defender. Um, and the plan is that he will stay there and then... He will be loaned to Europe uh, to continue his progression and get ready, hopefully, for life at Arsenal. Now, this feels to me like a, and I, and I look, I don't want this to come across disrespectfully, right? But the level of the MLS is is obviously not at the same level as European football. Okay, um, it feels like when you're going and you're raiding the MLS for players, you know there are. I think there's a few of them that would come in and they would impress and they would improve you. And I think we're starting to see more and more of them coming over to Europe and, and making an impression. You know, you think about people always talk about Weston McKenney, Tyler Adams now, uh, Christian Pulisic, etc., etc. 
there are loads that have come over and made a real impact, but this one doesn't feel like a, this is this guy's going to be an Arsenal centre back in the future. This feels like a marketing scheme, and that frustrates me a little bit. That irritates me. I felt this in the past. I felt it when we went and got people like. Uh, Rio Miyachi, if you remember the Japanese winger, when we went and got people like Junichi Inamoto, it felt like we were trying to open ourselves and expose ourselves to a new market more than we were bringing these players in to improve the squad. And that was really, really frustrating. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he goes on to uh, really improve, develop and becomes a part of the Arsenal setup in the future. But at this moment in time, I think part of the the lack of enthusiasm towards it is because of the fact that we wanted so much more in this window and we haven't got it. Gregory Beeler says, we've stripped the decks and the next step is bringing in better quality players in the summer. We're self-sustaining. So this is what we have to do. We don't have owners who will chuck big money in. I think you're right, mate. Uh, Jovan says, I completely agree with you, Harry. We tried to go for our main targets and they didn't want a cub. I can't really blame the club too much for that. We got rid of the guys that the fan base didn't like. Uh, Frank Ayala says, uh, we're in a good position table-wise. We're coming back in March full strength with a trimmer wage bill and roster. It's not a bad place to be except for the gamble that comes with injury. Yeah, I think that too. Um, Mikey says that making strong points, Harry, but the emotion is too strong now. And look, I, I accept that that will be the case with a lot of people. Um, and I accept that the emotion is one of the things that's beautiful about football. So we don't want to take it away. But I just think that we... You can be frustrated about something without painting the picture like the end, the world is ending. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are doing tonight. As I, as I tweeted earlier on, um, you know, as I tweeted earlier on, and uh, because I guess one of the big frustrating things I've seen on social media that's really got on my nerves um, throughout the day is people saying, um, "Oh, the season's over." Well, no, it's not. Is it really like? We're still in the hunt for the top four. We're still in the hunt for the top six. And it's February. You know, as, as I tweeted earlier on, I'm disappointed like everyone else that we're not going to bring in a striker. But there have been lots of positives to take from this season so far. We're competing at a level that a lot of people said that Mikel Arteta could never have us competing with. And perhaps more significantly than that, we're doing it with a really young team with a bright future. And the future does bode well for this Arsenal side. The season didn't end at 11pm tonight. The season ends in May. That's all I'm saying. So let's see how we go. Let's see what else we got in the live chat. A few uh, more super chats coming through. Thank you all so much for your very, very kind donations. Honestly, they are what keeps me going. Um, as I've said to you guys before, being a freelancer, having the opportunity uh, to uh, to do this is is amazing. And when you guys uh, support the channel in this way, it means I am able uh, to dedicate more time to this with uh, and keep the lights on at the same time, which is great. So thank you uh, all so, so much. Uh, Eric Newcomer says, at least let them play and see where we end up. Exactly. Got head-to-heads versus Man U, Tottenham and West Ham. They'll decide the top four. A striker and central midfielder will come in over the summer. Uh, brilliant points. And, and that's it. Exactly. Let's see how we get on. Let's take this one as well from Billy, who says, we got this far with the players we have. Arteta has put his trust in this group and will add what we need in the summer. Panic buying isn't a plan. Completely agree. And how many games has Maitland-Niles started in the Senate room midfield this season? How many games did Chambers, how many games did, um, you know, uh, Kolasinac start, Pablo Marie, uh, Aubameyang, 
prior uh, post falling out with the club never got a look in um so again look yeah we are a little bit short and we could have done with bringing a forward in in particular but i think you know there's not enough of an issue um to, or there's not enough to suggest that we're definitely going to fall apart now for people to be up in arms about it at this point. Let's see how the season goes. As I say, I feel like there's a lot of overreacting with regards to something that hasn't happened yet. Hardik Sharma says, watch the full live stream of Romano today for nine hours. Bloody hell. And fair play to Romano if he was on stream for nine hours. I get tired doing an hour. Um, what else have we got? Uh Jojo says, mate, you're delusional if you think we're competing for the top four this season. The season ended when we lost against Man City. You're part of the problem. This is a a narrative that drives me crazy. And this is a narrative that I know you guys have seen other people say. And then you jump on it. And then you start throwing it at people that are even mildly positive about Arsenal Football Club. You're part of the problem. How am I part of the problem? Please elaborate on that. I support my club. I go and watch my club. I dedicate so much time to my club. I have the interests of my club at the heart of everything I do and say on my platform. I'm not a problem. Mr. Kroenke and Edu and Mikel Arteta are in no way influenced by anything that I say. I'm not a problem. They don't even know I exist. Uh, this, This thing that fans pick up and throw at other fans, you're part of the problem because you accept this. What fan doesn't want to be at the top? What fan doesn't want to see their team march to glory? And on top of that, what manager doesn't want to have the best players to work with? What manager wants to be left with a paper-thin squad out of choice? None. That's the point. That's the point. So easy to say you're part of the problem. Look, Guna Hussein, you're delusional. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. I'm actually, um, you know, you can say I'm delusional. It's cool. Um, I see things in a different way. I'm not going to apologize for that. Kim B says, I'm out. You refuse to criticize under under any circumstance, Harry. I've literally said in the 38 minutes that we've been streaming at least 10 times that I'm disappointed and frustrated that we didn't bring someone in. Yeah, I refuse to criticize. You say there's, there's supporting and there's being positive, but this is simply too far gone. You're wrong on this one, Harry. I appreciate your opinion and I value that. But what's the point in discussing it or having a debate about it or even chatting about it if you're just going to say you're wrong? Do you know what? If anybody wants to join me, um, does anyone want to join me for the last 20 minutes of the show? Give me a thumbs up in the chat if you fancy jumping on. I'll pop a link in the chat box. No problem. If you've got a different opinion to me, let's let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Um, Doesn't always have to be name calling. We can have a good chat. We can have a good discussion. Anyone fancy it? I'll pop the link in the chat box. Um, David Masters says, uh, you're not delusional. You care. We can only support what we've got. Exactly. Like this thing about, um, you know, you, you're delusional. You're this, you're that. You don't want to criticize. Like it's, it comes back to that thing that people always say, you know, why do you keep comparing why do you keep talking about Xhaka being one of our important midfielders? Because I'm comparing him to what we've got. You have to compare with what you have. Like, you can't 
you know, what you don't have, you don't have. So it's irrelevant talking about it. Uh, let's bring on uh, Marcelo, who's just joined me. Uh, Marcelo, welcome, mate. How you doing? What's going on, man? I'm a big fan of the show. I appreciate you letting me on here. Um, I know you might have been looking for some devil's advocates, but I'm actually very much uh, aligned with you in terms of how the window went. So I'm not going to be coming at you if that's what you were looking <laughs> for. No, no, no. I, everyone's welcome, mate. Everyone's welcome. Go ahead, mate. What do you want to say? I'm just going to pop my headphones in so I don't get the feedback. Cool. But go ahead, mate. No worries. Thank you. Um, yeah, man, look, I think we're all frustrated by the fact that we let so many guys go without reinforcing the squad. Um, but I think the thing that we have to look at, you know, we're all caught up in emotion. But when you take a step back and you look at what Arsenal's been doing for the last 10 years is we've been giving these players huge wages without them necessarily justifying staying on those wages and staying at the club as long as they have. And I think we've lacked that ruthlessness for a really long time of just moving guys on. Um, and so I'm personally really pleased with what we've done in terms of preparing ourselves for the next phase of this rebuild um, in moving guys on that we just know aren't going to be important in the you know five-year plan. Um, and a lot of the guys we let go weren't playing anyways. Um, so I get why people are so upset, but it's very easy to just say Arteta out, Edu out, because they put the money down for Vlahovic. Um, we knew that we were ready to pay that money, but he was going to Juve all along. So I just feel like tomorrow, once we've had a little more clarity, got some rest, woken up, hopefully we, we see a little bit, you know, the long-term plan. Um, yeah, I think it's just we're such an emotional fan base. We got to, like, think about what we've been doing wrong and how we're finally slowly improving uh, in that regard. That's, that's yeah. really my piece, I guess. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think th there's this thing, like, I think people maybe saw in the summer that Arsenal had gone quite big in terms of what they spent and thought, oh, this is the turning point in the way we're going to operate. And it was never that. It was never that. The, the spending that we did in the summer was always going to come as, with a cost. And that cost has been that there was a clear budget in this month that we were able to go up to. We were happy to stretch it as far as we could to get Dusan Vlavic. And you know that because we then offered a very similar amount to get Alexander Isak in the door. And we couldn't do that either. We couldn't go beyond that, clearly. And that's as a consequence of the big spend that we saw. I think people forget that we've been through a global pandemic. And in particular, Arsenal and Tottenham, I would say, have been really hit by that. Because... We're clubs that are not in the Champions League. We don't have that extra financial injection. And we're mm. clubs that are, as a consequence, looking to get back in there, but also having to balance the books and manage the situations accordingly. And it's it's a really, really difficult uh, balancing act. Uh, Marcelo, thank you so much, mate. I'm going to let you go just so I can bring some more of the For guys sure, on man. before we wrap up. But really appreciate, appreciate you. you tuning up, man. In. Thanks, man. Peace. Take care, mate. All the best. Uh, that was a brilliant Marcelo. Uh, welcome, uh, CT Mutley. How you doing, mate? How you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, all good, mate. Thanks for joining. How are you? What do you want to say? Um, I'm a bit disappointed. That's what I'm going to say, really. Because if you look at it, the, the lack of transfer action has now cost us the Carling Cup. It's cost, well, not the Carling Cup, but the League Cup. It's cost us the FA Cup. We're up in Lavindia's array from, like, you know what I mean? We've got no party now. Jacques is out, suspended. Who are we going to have in the middle now, in, our, in this game? Now we've got rid of Orba. Lacazette's not scoring. We've left ourselves really thin. So I'm a bit disappointed. But 
obviously there's a problem behind all with leaving this i don't i don't think there's got to be more to it you know what i mean there has to be there's no way a couple of latenesses and getting a tattoo and a haircut last year when he was on um during lockdown has, has cost him the place at arsenal there's got to be something more to it i'm just the other thing i'm a bit upset about is how a lot of the fans have just turned their back on um on Oba. Like, you know what I mean? The amount of goals and what he did for us over the last couple of years. Don't get me wrong. Since he signed his contract, he has he's kind of gone downhill a little bit. But there's, there's a lot more to it. You know that for a fact. But everyone's just back on it straight away. Like, we need to get us down. I'm just not happy with the way some of the fans are either. I agree with you some of what you're saying. But I do think we needed to sign someone this year, just in this transfer window, therefore. Yeah, I, I think we needed to sign as well. As I keep saying, I think in an ideal world, we'd have gone and bought players in. You know, I really wanted yeah. us to see bring players in, but it's why I called it bittersweet for me, because on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, we need players. And, and there's that panic in me that we're going to be left short and we might miss out on what we want to achieve as a consequence of being left short. Yeah, but there's the other part of me that doesn't want to see us bring in another Xhaka, another Mustafi, another Pepe, players who we hugely overpaid for and then we're stuck with for years to come. One of the big I problems agree. that we've had over the years is that. And, and we need to rip that up and start again. And, and if you want to rebuild something properly, you have to build it again from the foundations. You don't just paint over it. You know, you, you don't just decorate over your old shitty wallpaper that's peeling off. You don't just paint over it. You yeah, strip it. You prepare the walls. You do it all properly. And, and that's what I think. I, I feel like, in a way, the fact that we've done quite well this season and we're in the hunt potentially for a top four place has just raised the expectation level to a level that isn't realistic. And now people who at the start of the season were telling me finishing in the top six would be good are now telling me that anything less than the top four because of this transfer with those unacceptable and they all have to go. It's that constant shifting yeah, of opinions that drives that me mad. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. It's coming into the start of the season, no one thought we'd be in the top four. There's not a chance in hell. We've just done two eight, eight to eight packs. No one packed any signings, if you, if you get real about it. Everyone was crying about um, Ramsdale. All right, Lukonga was a decent one, but he was for the future. You know what I mean? None of the signings, anybody was shouting out, all right. Now everyone's behind Tommy. You know I mean, already some, some of the Arsenal fans. He's, he has been great, but I don't know, man. We could get there, don't get me wrong. And I just want to say I love your show and I watch every one of your, your, every one of your videos and you're a top guy, man. Um, Thank you. Um, hybrid squads. You're cutting out a little bit there, mate. We just lost yeah, you. Go ahead. Went there. Um, so um, on, on Kevin this in was getting rid of. The Sorry, mate. We yeah. keep losing you, man. Let me try bring you back in in a moment because we keep losing you. Hold on a minute, mate. Uh, is Emma, you there? Nope. It says you're not connected. Uh, Stan, welcome. How you doing, mate? Thank you for waiting patiently, mate. All, All right, Harry. Thanks for bringing me in. No worries, man. So, what do you want to say? <laughs> so for me, right, now that the window's finally closed, I think it's left me with a feeling of anxiety because I agree with what you're saying, that there are still plenty of games to play this season. And those that are saying that the season is, uh, is closed, it's been written off, there's more yeah. games to be played. But I try to look ahead from that. And my fear is, as I wrote in the chat box earlier, if we get to if we get to, to the end of the season and we don't get ourselves back into Europe, my fear is, is that we go into next summer, we've got money to spend, 
but we're unable to bring in the players that we want because I think if that happens to us and we miss out uh, on Europe qualification, players like Jonathan David and Alexander Isak, I think they're going to be off the table because it seems like a lot of players these days, they, they like to say, no, well, if you're not in Europe, I don't think I want to come to you rather than, yeah, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to be the man. I'll be the icing on the cake and I'll fire you back into, into, into Europe. Players don't have that attitude. So for me, it's a, I'm left with a feeling of huge anxiety of where we're going to end up because another season out of Europe for us, I'm not sure if we can cope with that. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. But I think that what's what's correct here is that you're feeling worried about it, but you're not losing your mind. And that's the that's the difference. Like I've I, honestly, mate, this evening. So I. <laughs> I, my job now is obviously covering the Arsenal, right? And all day I'd, I'd been doing things and a few people had asked me to do things. And I said, look, guys, I can't commit to anything tonight because genuinely this morning when I woke up, I was expecting to have a sign-in to report on, a significant sign-in. And, and I didn't take on anything between certain times because I was worried about that. And leading up to around about 6 o'clock, 6.30 this evening, PM that is, I went, do you know what? F this. I'm I'm bored of it. I'm scrolling through Twitter and everybody's losing their minds and complaining and throwing their toys out of the pram about the fact that we've we've not brought in a top top striker. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going out to eat. And I went out for a meal because I didn't want nothing to do with it. I just wanted to get away from it. And it's that kind of it's the the reactionary nature. Like everything just flips so quickly. You know, one week we're on the right path and we're going to finish in the top four. And the next week, Mikel Arteta has to go. It's just, it's mad. It's honestly insane. Stay with me, Stan. I'm just going to try and bring CT back in because your connection was uh, a little bit dodgy there. Go on, mate. What was you saying? You were saying something about Highbury squad. That's all I could hear. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Is the connection all right? Yeah, yeah, we got you. What I was saying was, um, Evan Campbell put a question out saying, um, Basically, in this transfer window, was it right to get rid of the players we've got rid of, basically? that That's what the question was. And if you've got to look at it, yeah, we are right. Because we're going to struggle to get rid of these players in the summer anyway. So why are the opportunities there to get rid of them? You get rid of them. That's what you were saying. If you can't get players in, fair enough, you can't get players in. We have to go hard in the summer. The only problem is, for me, is now, is we, if we don't get Europe full stop, because you've got to think, we're only a few, few injuries or maybe a COVID case or just... Just touch wood, nothing bad happens anyway. Put it that way. I hope it doesn't. But we're only a few cases away from us completely capitulating. We haven't got a lot of players nowhere. Lacazette scored three league goals. Where's the goals going to come from? Saka gets injured. Martinelli gets injured. Just touch wood, nothing ever happens. What we do? That's, that's my only qualm with not signing nobody at all now. Yeah, and, and, and that's a genuine concern. And I, and I agree with that concern. I too feel like we're paper thin in certain areas. I'm worried about the striking position. I'm worried about centre-back because we've only got three senior centre-backs now, like natural centre-back. I'm worried about those positions. I'm not as worried about the central midfield as I was a few weeks ago because when we return, Xhaka will be back, Partey will be back, Elneny will be back from the AFCON and you've got Lokonga there as well. So I'm not like, I'm not too concerned about the centre of midfield. If you've got one game a week and we know that his preferred pairing is Xhaka and Partey, that's who's going to play. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. But centre-back, completely agree. Problem, striker is a big problem as well. But look, it's all I'm saying is that it's a problem that hopefully we can avoid. And we might be looking back at this come the summer thinking, well, we managed to move those players out. We took the gamble. 
And now we have a clean slate to go into the summer with, bringing players that we want. And it might turn out to be a masterstroke. Now, I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying now is not the time yeah, to decide right. whether it was the right idea or not. Only the money was saving on Obongian's contract alone. Sorry to cut you off. The money was saving on his contract alone. That buys you a player in the summer straight away. Yeah, literally absolutely. the money. As bad as it is, just, that's how you've got to look at it now. He's gone. I love the guy. He scored a load of goals of us and he won us the FA Cup. I hate the way he was treated. Uh, we just got to move on. That's all we can say. Yeah. No, I, I, would thank, I would thank this transfer window for two things, though. One is that we didn't go out and just bring in some kind of a bit part player. Just somebody that could, uh, you know, a warm body that can walk upright just to fill a gap, put them on a high salary. And in a year from now, we're unable to move that person away. We're trying to lower the deadwood pile. All we would be doing by doing that is just adding to that pile. The second thing that I'm really glad about is that somebody at the board took it upon themselves to intervene with the Arthur Mello deal. I think that had we yeah. had gone for that and locked ourselves in on an 18-month deal with an obligation to buy that's just a one-way loaded deal, and I don't think that would have benefited us, especially after six months' time. If it turns out that you know he's not what people had expected, it would have just been another meltdown. We'd be locked in with this player for far too long. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. agree. I won't keen on him either. To be honest no. with you, you didn't call it Barca, you didn't call it Juve. What's he? How is he going to call it in our league when it's a harder league? Yeah, far more physical. Yeah, there were definite concerns over that one. Um, CT, mate, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much All right, take care, for joining man. me, mate, just so I can get through as many as I can. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers mate. Bye -bye. Stan, you all right to stay with me a couple more minutes? Yes, mate. Good. Yeah, cool. All right, let's bring uh, M in. Can you hear me, mate? You've got yourself on mute. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep. How you doing, mate? What's your name? Where are you joining us from? Uh, my name is Matt, uh, Matt. I'm from Canada. Nice, nice. What do you want to say, mate? Uh, I just want to say like two quick things, maybe three. Uh, first of all, like I think, the, I think the reason a lot of people are kind of like upset is the fact that like the opportunity is there. Like we all knew that our squad was like young squad. We're not gonna like compete for top, top four, let alone the Premier League, right? But the fact that like the opportunity is there and we're not really capitalizing on it is just what really frustrates people. And especially when you see your rivals kind of strengthening. I know United didn't do much. But like you know, see, you see Spurs doing it. You even see Aston Villa. Like I'm pretty sure I'll give you I'll give you an example. Like Aston Villa, I'm pretty sure the target from the beginning of the season was to like stay mid table, maybe like maybe finish in a European places like top six, whatever. But then like now they're in a, they're in a really good patch of form, and like there's opportunities there to finish in the Europa League spots, maybe in a Conference League. So that's why they went and signed a couple of players to like accelerate them and push them on to you know even though the targets changed. The opportunity is there, so they're gonna to try to take advantage of it. And I think the same thing with Arsenal. Like nobody expected us to finish top four. If you ask anybody, like rival fans, even Arsenal fans, like if you were to name the top four positions come end of May, no one's gonna put Arsenal there. We're gonna put probably put fifth, sixth, maybe even seventh, right? But if the opportunity is there, why not just capitalize on it? Go buy one or two players, they'll make a difference, you know? And they don't have to be world beaters as long as they're like decently there. You don't have to lock yourself into like a two three four year contract and like you say in a couple in like maybe a year or so they're dead wood they're dead wood but like i just think like the opportunity is there and like what was there and like if we're not going to take it come end of may and we messed out narrowly on top four we're going to blame ourselves but like you know what we could have done it because like, like somebody said i think the previous guy said we're one or two COVID cases away or injuries away from you know 
and Kelly being the, the sole striker for the end of the season, you know, God forbid something happens to like as a same thing with Partey. You know, we all know he's injury prone, right? If he's out, if he's out of an injury for the end of the season, and like let's say El Nini gets COVID, goes back to like Charlie Patino or something, right? That's where the frustration comes from there. Yeah, but I in think my opinion, one thing I would say, Matt, though, is you say the opportunities were there. They, I'm not sure that I completely agree with that. Just because. You know, we we I feel like in the transfer window nowadays more than ever we get sucked into the, so many stories that actually have no substance. You know, we we know that we made an offer for Vlavic. We did what we could to bring in Dusan Vlavic, but we know that he chose to go elsewhere. And you can understand why because at this moment in time at Arsenal you're selling somebody a project. You're not selling them a ready-made thing. You're not saying to them, come here, you're going to play Champions League football next season, guaranteed. You're saying to them, come here, we are rebuilding and you can be part of what takes us back into the Champions League. It's all hypothetical. So if that player decides he wants to go elsewhere to a club where he's more likely to play in the Champions League, and I do believe now that Juve will qualify for the Champions League given the acquisitions they've made, you know, that's more appealing. That's outside of the club's control at this moment in time. Somebody like Alexander Isak, I don't actually have a problem with Arsenal thinking, actually, you know what? I'll give £58 million for this guy, but I'm not going up to 75 because I think that's excessive. I don't have a problem with that because I think that's a fair opinion to have. You know, you, you, this, this is a club that are still were willing to pay £58 million for a player who scored three La Liga goals this season. So they were still stretching it by my mark. Mm. Um, and I don't think that we can say that they missed all these opportunities because I think you've got to... I've, I think we've just got to be better at understanding that not everything that we read, every transfer window is true. Um, and as I've said to you guys before on here, since I've been working in this industry, if you like, I've come across tons of stories at times written by people I have huge respect for that I know that they don't truly believe. And I know that they're stabbing in the dark in the hope that it will come off. And I know that they're adding one plus one and getting three and hoping that, you know, nobody will notice. And that if that story then does come to fruition because it makes sense in their minds, they'll get all the credit for it. So we've got to understand. The we, need names, we, need. we need names, Harry. We need names. That's not happening. <laughs> but no, it, it does happen. It does happen. And um, and I, I just think we need to be careful not to get sucked into too much of that. Um, Matt, anything else you want to add just finally, mate, so I can get through a, a couple more calls as well. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no worries. I just wanted to say like, I never like for me the whole Vlaovic thing. I never ever like got into the hype train because I knew he knew like like unfortunately we're not at the level that we want to be. And I, I knew that he never he didn't want to like join a club like us. I know you give example of like Holland with Dorman, but like unfortunately we're not even like like Dorman's like comp- like you know consistently in Champions League. We're not we're not even doing that yet, right? So I never really bought into the whole hype train. And regarding Isaac, the same I, I share the same thing as you. I don't think he's worth that kind of money. And I saw him in the Euro, in the Euro 2020, and I thought he was decent, but like to pay the 90 million euros, that's a lot for somebody yeah. who's scoring three or four goals. And like, I think my, my biggest point was just like, a lot of people are just a little disappointed is the fact that like, we just didn't do anything when the opportunity was there, right? It's kind of like, it kind of is similar to like the 15, 16 season where we just signed Peter Cech and we didn't sign anybody else. And that was, I think that was the year that Leicester won, I'm not, I'm not too sure, but, uh, it just feels like a repeat of that, in my opinion. So, and that's where a lot of people's frustration probably come from. Yeah, and, and I get the frustration. I do, Matt. Thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate you coming on. 
No worries. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks, Harry. I just want to say, never change. I love your uh, podcast, and like, don't ever change. You know, people are always gonna have a different opinion, and just just keep being you, man. Thank you so much, man. Really, really appreciate it, and thank you for have the support. One. Take care, mate. All the best. Brilliant stuff. Always good to hear different opinions. I, I love hearing different opinions. Uh, let's bring on uh, Egal. How you doing, mate? Doing good, man. How you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. Let me bring on Mile High Guna as well because uh, we're running short of time. So let me get you all on uh, at the same time. How you doing, mate? Welcome. Oh, man. Egal, go on, mate. Go on. Uh, you look like you're ready to rant. Go for it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I, I think I'm ranted out. Uh, how you doing, Statman, by the way? Uh, I'm good. I'm just, uh, just going to tell you guys this. I feel like um, from the work that we did in the summer, we kind of a little bit might have undone it because we backed ourselves so much in the summer, getting a lot of the work done, a lot of the business that was done in the summer. You know what? Some of us questioned it, but it was good business. I'm not going to lie. And a part of me maybe still believes that this, they have a good plan for the summer, but I can't look past this uh, this opportunity that we have in front of us right now to get top four, this opportunity with Tottenham and Manchester United falling off uh, to the level that they've fallen off and, and us having opportunity to get top four. It almost reminds me of the season where Leicester won the league and I felt like if we would have strengthened a little bit more in that window, that January window that season, we had an opportunity to get uh, in uh, win the league. And this season kind of reminds me of that where we have an opportunity to get top four. And if we would have strengthened, even if it means short-term gain, long uh, and it might not benefit us as much in the long term we have to think a little bit short term because we haven't been in the champions league for four years let me pause you there again let me play devil's advocate for a second you say that we might have undone the work that we did in the summer we've still got ben white we've still got aaron ramsdale we've still got Lakonga. we've still got odegaard we've still got a group of young players that in my opinion and in, in a lot of aspects have gone up to that next level this season how does not adding to that undo it surely it means you're not moving further forward and i get that but it's not undoing it is it we still got those players there and we're still in the position that we're in not signing someone hasn't reduced our league position it doesn't it doesn't reduce our league position but what it does is it reduces our uh, it reduces our capability to go forward and improve ourselves for this uh, short term period i get it that the club was looking at short term and long term the difference between that i'm i'm a fan obviously we're all fans we're all going to look at the short term and i we all probably believe we're going to get a striker in i generally do believe us not getting a striker in right now does affect us in the long term also because come the summer lacazette is leaving and Eddie and Kitty is leaving on a free. Their, their contracts are running down and they're done. So that means in order for us to bring in a striker, we're going to have to negotiate with, with no with no striker in our in our books. Yes, we have academy players that we can bring up like a Balogun, but we currently are going into a summer where we're going to have to buy two strikers or at least two top attacking options in our in our team with no negotiation power because teams know that we don't have a striker and. Also, we're going to be going up against the likes of other, other big teams that are going for a striker in the summer, where in this January, it didn't seem like any other big team was going for a striker. So that's where I feel like we have dampened ourselves. Where we've hurt ourselves this window, we can all say if we did get a center midfielder and a striker, we would be almost odds-on favorites now for, to go for that top four. I, See, I, like don't, I, I don't know that. I think that we, we would have had to go out and get the very best in those positions to guarantee that we... I, I think it's very difficult to say with whatever signings we made in this window that this team was guaranteed top four. And also as well, you say that nobody else was interested. I'm going to bring Mile High Guna in on this as well. Um, you say that nobody else was interested in the strikers and that's why we were able to maybe take advantage this time around. Well, 
we saw that the minute Arsenal showed an interest in Dusan Vlavic, Juventus, who had earmarked him for the summer, decided, oh, wait, we've got to do something here because he might go elsewhere. So a lot of the time, just showing an interest can prompt some of those clubs in. So if they're going to go for them, they're going to go for them anyway, I would say. Uh, Mile High Guna, welcome, mate. Where are you joining us from, first of all? Denver. Thank you. Denver, wicked, wicked stuff, man. What do you want to say on the situation? How are you feeling about it all? Ah, man, I've been working all day and just looking at my phone constantly back and forth, back and forth and like terribly stressful day for not a stressful work day. (laughs) And then, um, you know, trusty is, you know, our defender here. Right. So I'm getting this on both ends of the Twitter feed and I'm like, uh, what did this kid do to piss off the Cronkies? Like, do they not know that they're just throwing this kid to the wolves right now? I was like, you know, kid gets his dream move and, you know, it's like the worst time to do it. It's kind of like the Ramsdale situation where they just, you know, kind of got unloaded on, but then he worked out. Trusty, I'm not sure, is going to do much other than be a squad player, you know, um, and doesn't do us any good for this part either because they're loaned him back to Rapids for the first half of the season or the last half of um our season here um so it didn't make a lot of sense it was definitely like a balance sheet adjustment to putting in accounting terms so um didn't make a lot of sense overall definitely disappointing uh, i understand where everybody is but also glad we didn't blow a lot of random money on you know players that aren't going to do anything either that's going to be beneficial for us um but it's hard not to think why we are light you know, if we get hit with injury bugs or another wave of COVID, we could be in some trouble there. So not just for top four, but even top six, which really is our, you know, should be our goal. So, yeah. Harry, Harry. Are, you, are you not melting down at all? Are you not having any, like, in the back of your mind, aren't you saying, you know what, this is a big opportunity missed? I feel like it is, uh, as I said, I, I feel underwhelmed, obviously. Um, you know, I woke up this morning in the hope that we were going to bring a striker in, any striker. I would have even bought Alvaro Morata in if that was a possibility. And I know that's an unpopular opinion, but just somebody who gives us another option that we can turn to in the centre forward position and also gives us a little bit of something different in comparison to what Lacazette brings to the team. So I'm obviously underwhelmed, but I've, I just, I don't know what's what it is like. And, and I think this is something that, I've kind of maybe changed on slightly since my job changed because for me now, I I don't know, maybe, you know, people always say to me, I'm too positive. I'm too accepting. I'm too okay with it all. And it's just, for me, one of the things I really value about football and Arsenal is that it makes me happy. Okay. And it's something that is a positive thing in my life. And if I go into stuff with the mindset of I'm already pissed off before it's happened, (laughs) <laughs> then what am I doing this for? Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, then what is the point? Like, I used to work in banking and I hated it. And I used to wake up every morning pissed off that I had to go to work. And I hated it. And the whole experience at the end was was crap because I hated it. And then I'd come home and someone would ask me how my day was or remind me of it. And it was crap. And I'd say it was crap. And I'd be in a crap mood the whole time. So if I'm going to have that energy around Arsenal, then... 
you know, that's that's not what I'm doing this for. And and that doesn't mean, though, that you have to be deluded and that you can't see everything. I've got lots of criticisms of Arsenal and there's lots of things that frustrate me, irritate me that I think we could do better. But I just don't want to be knee jerk on stuff that hasn't happened yet. I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, we're up shit street now because we might get injuries or we might get COVID or this certain player or that player might be out of form for a period of time. If it happens, then we can look back and we can say, yep, you know, not doing this in the window has ultimately cost us. But, you know, the hardest job in the world when it comes to football is the manager's job because he has to make decisions with foresight. We can watch things, see how they unfold and make our assessments and judgments with hindsight. And that's very, very different. And I, and I, I think that we have to do that sometimes because if you rewind back to the summer, if you'd have asked me my opinion on spending £25 million on Aaron Ramsdale when I felt we desperately needed a centre midfielder, I said it was a silly move. I said it was a bad move. And look how that's turned out. I didn't think Ben White was worth anywhere near £50 million. And I think he's been really good. You know, and, and there's there's so many of those things that will be proven wrong on. We'll be proven right on a lot of them as well. But there's a lot of things that will be proven wrong on. And all I all I want people to do is to just and, and listen, everyone can support the way they want. It's up to them. It's not for me to tell other people how to support their football club. But I just think that there's a whole lot of hot air that comes out every time something looks as though it's not going the way we want it. And a lot of that time it's wasted energy and wasted outrage. And then when you when you do that all the time, it dilutes the actual message. Like when we were outside the Emirates Stadium protesting to, uh, about the Cronkies because of the Super League, that's got weight. That's a real issue. That's something we're protesting about because we feel strongly about it. And you saw the whole football world unite at that point. Fact. But then if you're going to come out and protest about them not spending money a week before they go and spend 150 odd million in the transfer market... You've diluted your actual message by just looking for every little thing to be outraged about. And all of a sudden, when you do stand there and you show frustration and anger, people don't take you seriously anymore. Neither do the club. They know whatever they do now, there will be this outrage because there's people that are fed up of certain elements of it. And there comes a point where they just don't care anymore. So I just I, want the messages to be strong. But I want us to put those messages across when we need to. And not because we think something might go wrong. Stan, I know you want to come in, mate. Go for it. I, I just wanted to ask Mal Haiguna, as he's you know he's in Denver with this uh, trusty centre back. I just wondered if he could tell us anything about him, what his standing is in the game, in the MLS, and in the team. What his maybe his style is, whether he's someone that you know with a bit of work could get into Arsenal's you know first squad, or is it really just a, P, a PR move? I know nothing about this guy. Me neither. So I've only seen so much. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, part of the issues here uh, is KSC has a cable dispute with their own network with the major cable companies here. So uh, you got like the Avs, the Nuggets, the Rapids, and all that pretty much blacked out in its own city, right? Uh, because of a contract dispute. So, I mean, we got a lot to complain about KSC here ourselves. <laughs> uh, I have seen them live a couple times. Um, Trusty's solid. Um, I mean, he's not, I don't think he's exactly going to be Premier League level right away. I mean, he's a younger player that's come up. 
uh, came out of Philly, actually, which does have uh, a good pedigree of developing youth, especially in the American system. Um, so, you know, he came in and did really well for us. So, um, again, squad player, but it's one of those things that, you know, it comes in maybe with the right attitude and then, you know, make something happen. But uh, PR move, I don't like I said, I wonder if it was even an account move, you know, um, kind of like a Leipzig to Salzburg kind of thing or vice versa, I guess, in this situation. Um, I found it kind of shocking, honestly, when I saw that. I mean, he's not even the player I would target from the Rapids. If we wanted to get someone, why not get Kellen Acosta? He was, you know, as a USMNT, you know, regular featured player. And we just sent him to LAFC for three and a half mil. Um, why not send him to Arsenal for that? That's a midfield bonus. Uh, plays more of a six role. Um, that would have made a lot more sense. And he wanted to go to Europe. We actually blocked his move to Europe for the money in LAFC, which seems almost opposite of what Arsenal has done with their players, right? I almost wonder if we should get the Rapids guy, move him up to Arsenal for our outgoings and start making some money. Like, if that's the way we're going to do it here, why not do it up there? It's the same company. It's called KSE. So, um, yeah, surprising move. Could have been PR. It's totally likely. Um, not very well played either. Uh, I don't think at all. You know, do this deal in the middle of the month, not on deadline day when we've been talking about Vlaovic and, you know, Murata and, you know, Gumarish, that made no sense. I feel, I felt like we did the player dirty. Trusty. I feel bad for him. I hope that he doesn't look at Twitter. He's going to understand that people are just pissed off tonight and it's not personal. <laughs> yeah. I hope he, I hope he looks at it that way. It's not his fault, you know, and there's been some good, you know, uh, tweets out there for him. It's like, hey, let's not butcher him like we did Ramsdale. Let's let's think about this a little bit more because what he got to was pretty bad, and you know it's it's unfortunate. Um, hope we have some level sense, but you know, Arsenal Twitter is lit. <laughs> this is what it is, part and parcel of it. So Arsenal um, Twitter, a lot of it, a lot of it is trolling. A lot of it is trolling. So like. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he understands that. But when it comes down to us not signing a player, we're obviously going to be upset about that. But signing a youngster for this summer is not that bad of an idea, honestly. It's just, <laughs> it's just. I'm not, I'm not even against the signing because I don't know nothing about him. Like I've got to be honest, I don't know anything about him. But it's just like you say, the whole, you know, Colorado Rapids Arsenal thing. It, it does. It's a bit like when New York City FC move players to Manchester City or the Pozzos move players from Udinese to Watford. It's just all a little bit, you know, just doesn't sit right. Right, guys, uh, we're going to drop off in just a few minutes. So just a couple of final thoughts. Um, and I'll, I'll ask each of you this. I'll come to you first, Dan. Where were your expectations for this season prior to the January window? Yeah. Actually, let me rephrase that question because we've had a shit January. Where were your expectations prior to you knowing we were going to sign no one? Um, and where are they now off the back of, of how this window's ended? I've always felt at, uh, that the, the minimum requirement this season has to be sixth place. It has to be the Europa League proper, not that other league thing that's below that. 
I never felt that we probably had enough to maintain a, a push for the top four. Mm-hmm. Now that we don't, now that we, otherwise people say that we've got a very good first 11. I'm of the belief that we don't. We have a very good first nine. There's a couple of places in that team that still aren't fixed. We don't have very much beyond that. So as I said in the chat box earlier, my fear now is that we may not make that top six, which will have the knock-on effects that I, I said earlier. So I yeah. hope and I pray that we can scratch and claw our way into that sixth-place position. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Gal, same I'm question. Little, I'm a little bit more optimistic than Satman. And even until uh, a week ago, I thought we were going to get a striker and a midfielder, and we didn't get that in. Before the window, I said, we get a striker and a midfielder in, that helps us solidify top four. And I did expect us to get into the top four after the off the back of how consistent, uh, not as consi- not consistent, but like off the back of us having this opportunity now that Manchester and Tottenham have been playing bad. So I thought we can get into top four. Now, off the back of this window, I still think we can get into top four, but there needs to be four things that go our way. We need our players to be fit, if possible. We need our young attackers to still be delivering come near the end of the season. So that's two ifs. We need the other four teams that are competing with us to fall off slightly. That's the last if. And the final one, in my opinion, we need someone We need someone to current, uh, someone out of our current attackers that has not been in form, either a Pepe, a Lacazette, or Edin Ketia, to find a little bit of form to help us get that little bit boost that we need to take us over the line so that's a lot of ifs it's very unlikely that all of them happen so with that being said uh, right now i expect us to finish fifth at, at worst but i cannot see us finish outside of the top five because i need us to be in contention for top four and the only way i see that happening is if we're still around that uh, it's still around that come the end of the season and maybe finish off with a point or two and I think it's going to be very tight at the end of the season hopefully we can get it all over the line but I'm saying fifth at this point Mayo Hayaguna your view on that um short and sweet I mean going into the transfer window top four would be nice I didn't expect it um like I said I think everything has been kind of gravy uh going up to it just like great form, take it on, you know, we're playing well. It's like, this is great. You know, let's just keep that up. Uh, but, you know, top six is uh, our aim. It should be uh, at minimum. Uh, now after the window, it's still going to have to be top six. Top four seems like a bit of a stretch. Um, a little nervous just about our squad depth. Um, you know, as much as anything. And of course we don't have much for attacking up front, but that could change. Um, you know, maybe something clicks, maybe a shift in system. Um, you know, it's not impossible. The team seems galvanized. I really liked what we saw, you know, in November and December. And January is a rough month, but we're going to have those. Uh, it's a young team. So, you know, I'm just going to keep the faith. Top six, I think, is our goal from the start. We don't want to move the goalposts too much. Let's just see if we can hang tight and, you know, get there. So I think we can do that. Yeah, my goal from the start of the season was always top six. In fact, I said anything outside of that was unacceptable and we'd have to really have a think about the direction in which we're travelling. And like you guys, when we started to show that really good format, when we were on that really good run and the, the race for the top four kind of opened up a bit when you saw that Tottenham had struggled and had to sack a manager. When you look at West Ham and you, you think maybe they lack depth in certain areas as well. And then, of course, what happened with Manchester United, 
I started to dream of the top four. But I kept saying that for me, it was the thing that we should be aiming for because you always strive to do the best that you possibly can. And so while it's a possibility, while it's an option, while it's realistic, you have to push for that. But that doesn't mean that if we miss out marginally on the top four, we're then sitting here at the end of the season, having completely moved those goalposts, as you say, and all of a sudden calling a fifth place finish a disaster when actually it's not. And, and that's where we need to be mindful. I think you can adjust expectations during the course of a season, but you can't just rip them out and start again because then that's unfair. And, and the, the thing is, as I always say, when you start off a season, you base your goal and your objective based solely on what you think your team is capable of. There isn't that bias about Manchester United and the poor run they're on. That, that is, doesn't come into your thinking. Neither does Tottenham because you don't think that these teams are going to fall off the way they have. And then that bias creeps in and it starts to affect you and how you see things. So that's why I always say the objective and goal that you set at the start of the season is probably the more accurate one in terms of where you think this team actually should be because you're not taking other factors into consideration outside of your own. But there we go. Uh, guys, thank you so, so much for joining me. Really, really appreciate it. We've been going for an hour and 20. Uh, it wasn't going to be a phone-in show, which is why I didn't advertise it as one. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was good to get some of you guys on as well uh, in the second half of the show and get some of you guys' thoughts on what ultimately was um, an underwhelming end to the transfer window. Aubameyang's gone and uh, his Arsenal career is over. It's ended in a sad way, but it is what it is. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Join me live on the channel at 12.30pm UK time. I'll be joined by Adrian Clark uh, to review the window. We'll be getting Adrian's thoughts on how everything went, um, the wins, the losses, uh, more losses than wins, I guess. Uh, but we'll be talking about all of that. And then we'll be back a little bit later on in the evening with our second stream of the day. So lots more content coming your way over the next 24 hours. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're new. Make sure you hit the like button if you haven't done so already. We'll be back soon. Until next time. Goodbye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.